You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. Hello, Botney. Come on, let's give Jesus a big shout of praise. Fantastic. Great to be here. Good to be here. And as Pastor Steve mentioned, yes, that is my twin, Lloyd, the second best looking person in the room. And um, actually, we have Boyd, Lloyd, Floyd, and then I met someone at our church called Royd, and then met someone, true story, called Joyd. I need to have a chat with my parents. How many kids did you really have? Uh, great to be here today, and uh, I want to give honor where honor is due to just the youth pastor and just the worship part. I'm joking. That's <laughs> okay. Oh, I love introductions. And uh, uh, in all honesty, I just want to um, thank Pastor Steve and Big Screen for having me. Great friends of ours. As Steve mentioned, we, we were neighbors. Uh, I can tell you stories on Steve Green. In fact, I'm thinking about starting a blog uh, and uh, just for tonight, free subscription. And uh, But uh, honor you guys. We love you guys. And uh, like Steve mentioned, we, we, this started for us all together. In fact, Bex and I were brought in uh, on staff as the next generation leaders. And we were literally the next generation. Um, you can work that out. And, um, and uh, we started on church staff. And um, uh, Bex, I've been a great help for her. Uh, I remember walked into the uh, photocopier room and Bex was crying and I said are you alright? She goes I failed my driver's license test and uh, so I really comforted her and I said Bex I don't even have a driver's license. She just said just shut up Boyd and uh, so look where she's ended up. My ministry has just set her up to just take her to new places and we love you guys. Come on let's put our hands together on a Bex and Steve to the exceptional leaders in our nation and in our movement and thank you Frosty loved Papakura Loved being in Papakura. I bought my first house in Papakura. I officially got in debt in Papakura. Uh, drove past the gym that I never went to. Uh, I was sponsoring the gym. I was feeding that gym. But that church, uh, that campus is pumping. Give them a hand as well. Phenomenal couple. Thank you for having me. We're going to get straight into it. And uh, I'm not here just to preach a message, but I'm praying and I'm believing for a shift in the hearts of every person here tonight, and uh, as a church, you are in the middle of a message series called Blessed. Everybody say blessed. The word blessed comes from a Greek word. I'm Sri Lankan, um, but I do know a few Greek words like kebabs, and, uh, uh, and um, it comes from a Greek word, makarios, which means happy or happiness. And um, in this series, we are focusing on eight beautiful and also countercultural statements that Jesus made in the book of Matthew chapter 5 when he f- preached his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in these eight statements that we call the Beatitudes, Jesus reveals a model for how Christians are to live their lives. And the Beatitudes describe the character of God's kingdom. In the sermon, Jesus talked about spiritual poverty. He talked about sadness and mourning, not moaning. But I have my own beatitude. Blessed are those who moan, you will not be comforted. You need deliverance. But anyway, uh, then he talked about meekness and gentleness. He talked about a hunger and a passion for God. 
Then he talked about mercy and compassion. Tonight, I want us to focus on the next beatitude in verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God, we thank you for your presence here in this place. We thank you, thank you that your word promises when two or three are gathered in your name, you're in our midst. In fact, you were here even before anyone walked into this place. God, I pray for an encounter. We don't want entertainment. We don't want knowledge. God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of every person here. Nobody's here by accident. God, I pray we need you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And God, we pray that you'll keep all the crusaders humble. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. We live in a society that, for the most part, is very interested in purity. We are very purity conscious. We want pure air, pure water, pure food. If you go to the restaurant or a cafe, and if there's a little bit of contamination in the food, you, you send it back because we are very purity conscious. My wife, she has this prophetic anointing when the food arrives, and if there is a little bit of contamination or, or, or hair or something, she's like, I can't eat this. I can't. I've got to send it back. I'm like, just eat it. You'll survive. You're, you're not going to die. She's like, no, I've got to send it back. I'm like, before you send it back, give it to you. I'll take some food, and I just try. I'm from Sri Lanka. I can eat anything. I'm just like, send it back. I mean, it's rude to send the food back to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, to the chef. People take purity seriously. In this beatitude, Jesus was addressing a different kind of pollution. He's talking about heart pollution. He's talking about our heart, about the condition of our hearts. It's not a matter of external behavior, it's a matter of internal attitude. Purity is not a matter of external behavior. It's a matter of internal attitude. And, and this week, the Titanic has been on the news a lot, on the newspaper. And when you're watching the news, uh, it, it's been, you know, many things said about the submarine. Uh, in 1912, when the Titanic sailed, everyone said they were unsinkable. This was because they had this new technology. This is what they did, the hull of the ship was divided into compartments instead of one unified and integrated hull. They did this so even if some of the compartments were flooded or damaged, the ship would still stay afloat. So they said they were unsinkable, but the unthinkable happened. They sank. Over 1,500 people lost their lives. In many ways, our lives are like a, like a ship. You may, be, you may be sailing smoothly, life's going really well. You're like, everything's going great, everything is wonderful. You're like, this is good. But here's the truth. If our integrity, the purity of our heart is damaged, we're going to sink just like the Titanic. If the purity of our hearts, the integrity of your life is breached, you are headed for trouble, and that's why this beatitude that we're looking at tonight is so powerful. When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let me tell you, this is so powerful in our lives. Why? Because to be pure in spirit means to have a heart that is undivided and totally, fully devoted to God. 
To be pure is about having integrity, authenticity, sincerity in our relationship with Him. Listen to this very carefully. Purity is not about perfection. Purity is about pursuing holiness. Let me say that one more time. Purity is not about perfection. Nobody in this room is perfect. There's only one person who is perfect. That's Jesus. No, there's no perfect church. Why? The moment you and I walk into it, it's no longer perfect. There is no perfect pastor. Some of you are surprised. Steve's not perfect. He's definitely not perfect. I was his neighbor, but we won't get into that. Just read my blog. There's no perfect people. Purity is not about perfection. It's about pursuing holiness. It's about a genuine desire to align our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, and our behaviors in line with God's will for our lives. A pure heart describes a person whose single-minded loyalty to God has affected every area of our lives. They have their hearts set on God instead of external religious rituals and ceremonies. See, in the New Testament, the rabbis, they were developing a complex system of laws for maintaining ceremonial purification. The, the Jewish tradition emphasized on ritual purity. They thought that purity was a matter of rituals and ceremonies. It was all external. You do this, you say this, you go and have a wash, and you do this in order to earn God's forgiveness. And I love this. Jesus came, and he changed everything. I love this about Jesus. Every time he showed up, there was transformation. There was change. Jesus came, and he changed everything. He challenged their teaching and their systems. And he said purity of heart was more about the condition of your heart than external religious, traditional rituals, ceremonies. He said purity is a matter of your internal attitude, not a matter of external behavior. The reality is that you can look the part, and people may think, you're pure, you have integrity, but in reality, all I'm doing is I'm fooling people. God's not interested in my external behavior. He's interested in the condition of my heart. A couple of months ago, I did an annual health check, and bless the nurse, she said to me, Boyd, you've got a clean health bill, wonderful. And then she said this, I'm, I'm, I turned 42 in September. I know you're all surprised and shocked. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and she said to me, you've got the heart of a 37-year-old. I said, praise God for that. To God be the glory. I can continue to eat burger and chips. I was like, fantastic. When I told Sharon, I've got the heart of a 37-year-old. Uh, You're not getting the insurance money yet. I'm going to live longer than you. I was excited. She's like, boy, it's not something I'll tell everybody that you've got a heart of a 37 when you're 41. But I, I walked out of that place, and I was thinking about this. I've got a clean health bill. I've got the heart of a 37. The Holy Spirit said to me, boy, What's more important is the, is the condition of your spiritual heart. And I want to ask you a question tonight. How is your spiritual heart doing? Jesus' core focus was the condition of the heart. And this is what Jesus said to the religious leaders, Matthew 23, 25 to 26. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgent, blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. 
See, the Greek word, the Greek meaning for the word pure comes from a word called katharos, which literally means to be cleansed, washed, blameless, unstained from guilt. It speaks of cleansing the body of impurities, unmixed, unadulterated, undiluted. A pure heart has no hypocrisy, no hidden agenda. Reality is when you have a pure heart, you don't have to worry about what you said because you told the truth. You're a person of integrity. You're a person of character. A pure heart is marked by transparency and an un uncompromising desire to please God in all areas of our lives, not just on a Sunday, every day of our lives, a desire to please Him and to honor Him. So it's more than external purity of behavior. It's the purity of our soul, and that's why I love the prayer that David wrote, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's my prayer for all of us. God is the one who makes our hearts pure. I can't make your heart pure. Nobody can make your heart pure. It is only possible through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus, and through the sanctifying work in our lives. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, purity is a prerequisite for seeing God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure, for they will see God. Wow, what does it mean to see God? How is that, how is that possible? Because in John chapter 1, he says, no one has ever seen God face to face. Moses couldn't stand to see God face to face because his glory was so powerful, so majestic. There was no way he could see God's face. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we will see God face to face. But here's the thing. The Beatitudes are written or were written for here and now. So what's, what's Jesus saying when he says, blessed are the pure in heart for you will see God. Listen to this very carefully. Jesus is talking about spiritual vision. He's talking about spiritual vision, not physical vision. Physical vision is seeing through our natural eyes in your head. Spiritual vision is seeing through the eyes of your heart. Physical vision, natural eyes. Physical vision, seeing through the eyes of your heart. And that's why Paul said in Ephesians 1.18, on the screen, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory, his inheritance, and his holy people. Listen to this carefully. When you have a pure heart, you will see God in three ways. Write this down if you're taking notes. First one, you will see God in creation. That's my prayer for all of us tonight. God, open the eyes of our heart. You will see God in creation. Have you ever gone out in nature? You're going for a walk down the beach. All of a sudden, you just sense God. Didn't matter what your day was like. You just watch the oceans. You, you look at the mountains. Being out in nature, you look at creation. You're reminded of God. You can see God's creation. This morning, I know Auckland didn't see this, but as I flew out of Wellington, the red sky was beautiful. It was like David said, you know, the heavens declare the majesty, the glory of God. Then I flew into Auckland. It was dark. It was raining. I was like, God, save the city. But anyway, you see God in creation. Number two, you see God in your circumstances. 
You may be going through something. Other people around you don't understand. They can't see what's happening. They're like, I can't believe you're going through all of this, but you see God at work. You may be in the fire. He's with you in the fire. You may be in a valley. He's with you in the valley. You may be in the lion's den. He is in the lion's den. You see God in your circumstances where you can boldly declare what was intended to harm me. God can turn it around for good. You see God in your circumstances. Number three, you see God in his word. Once upon a time, you couldn't even stay awake through Psalm 23. Now if you've had an encounter, God's opened the eyes of your heart. God's speaking to you through the book of Leviticus. Numbers. You're like, wow, the Bible's just come alive. Can I encourage you with this? Every one of us, all of us, ask God to remove spiritual cataracts so you can see God in his word. With our physical eyes, we see the natural. With our spiritual eyes, we see the supernatural. David said this, Psalm 24, 3 to 4, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. We sing that song, clean hands, pure hearts. I hope you know what you're singing and by why. When David says clean hands, he's talking about righteousness. He's talking about righteousness. What is righteousness? It's the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, conscience, conduct, command, righteousness. Then David says pure hearts. He's talking about holiness. What is holiness? Moral purity. In the New Testament, holiness means set apart. Set apart for His glory. Set apart for His work. Do you realize that you are set apart? Holiness. We live a life of righteousness and holiness. Clean hands, pure hearts. So the question tonight is, how do you develop a pure heart? I've got three quick thoughts, and then we're going to pray together, and I'm praying that God will open your spiritual eyes today, that you will see God, that you will have an encounter. Let me tell you, all of us in this room, we need a fresh encounter. Not yesterday's encounter, not last year's encounter. I really believe God's got a fresh encounter for everybody in this room. If you will say, God, open the eyes of my heart. Here's the first one. Number one, make a commitment to God's standard. Make a commitment to God's standard. When I was a teenager, I started testing my parents as teenagers would do, and so did Lloyd. And we would, we would you know, always say to mom and dad, well, so-and-so's parents said they can do it. Why can't we do it? And my mom and dad would always say this, as long as you live under my roof, you live under my rules. Not so-and-so's parents. So-and-so's parents are not paying the bills, and the list goes on. You say, as long as you live here, you live according to my rules. I say that to my children now. See, all of us, we need to resolve this important question. Whose standard am I going to build my life on? Am I going to build my life on God's standard? Or am I going to build my life on my standard? Am I going to live my life on the standards of the world or the Word? The world or the Word? And that's why Psalm 119, it says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your Word, obeying His Word. Can I, word, can I tell you the best messages ever preached in the church are the ones that we live out. The ones that we live out. When you live out, you'll see the fruit of his word. Make God your standard. If I play by his rules, I win. If I don't play by his rules, I 
lose. It amazes me sometimes. I know people's intentions are right. People come and say to me, boy, I, I read about this in the Bible. It says this, and I know I shouldn't be doing this, but what do you think? Thank you for your confidence in me. But if God said it, why do you even have to pray about it? Just do it. Just do it. I never forget when I used to be the worship, just the worship pastor here. And um, love you, Dan. Love you. I wouldn't do this at my church because our worship pastor will resign. <laughs> anyway, you'll write a blog about me. But anyway, um, I just remember um, uh, I, when Lloyd and Jamie got married, I was at their wedding and I was talking to somebody and, and I said, look, I would love to go to this church in Los Angeles called the LA Dream Center. And it's an amazing church. And, and, and then the and I was telling them all about it, and, and one of my good friends, he overheard the conversation, and during the week, he rang me, and he said, Boyd, um, I overheard you say this, and I, God really spoke to me and said that I should pay for you to go to LA Dream Center. You know, normally when people ring me and say things like God told me, I will always respond by saying, look, I've got to pray about it, think about it. I said to him, look, this is definitely the Lord speaking to you. You, you don't need to pray about it. This is confirmation, brother. Uh, if you don't do it, you're like Jonah. And um, so anyway, bless him. He, he, he paid for me to go to LA. And, and just before I left, I was doing my budgeting. I was on a very tight income. And, and I was, you know, making sure all the bills are paid. I had enough money to eat and, and get around places. And then when it came to the tithing bit, I was, um, moment of honesty, I was like, do I tithe or I need money for my trip? And I was like, what do I do? And I had this little voice said to me, boy, after all, the Lord will understand. You're going on his business. You take care of his business. He'll take care of your business. And then I was like, what do I do? Do I tithe? Do I not tithe? Then I made a decision. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give what belongs to God belongs to God. Tithe, I showed up in America, and, and I'll never forget a week um, into my trip, I was sitting there watching a television program, and there was a documentary done on some of the largest churches uh, in America, and I had one of these churches that I loved. I couldn't go there. It was a bucket list church. I couldn't go there, uh, but I didn't have the money to go there, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and said, Boyd, book the tickets. You should go while you're here. I was like, FYI. I can't book because I tithe. It's just, I'm not mad. FYI. <laughs> FYI. I can't. I couldn't sleep that night. The Holy Spirit kept speaking to me and said, boy, book the tickets, book the tickets. I just booked it. And I was like, tomorrow, the rest of the trip is going to be fasting and praying. How am I going to survive? And, and, and the next morning, I woke up, and I was like, I don't even know if I can afford to eat today. And I'll never forget going into my bank account, and I had more money than the night before. I was like, what's going on? And I, and I looked it up, and, and somebody in this church, a lovely lady in this church who didn't even know that I was in America, the Lord spoke to her, and she gave me the exact money that I needed to go to this church. May God your standard. Now, I'll never forget, went to the church, I had a life encounter. It was one of the most defining moments of my life. On the way back, I had to fly through Fiji. I had two hours transit. And I'll never forget walking our first time in Fiji, and I prayed this prayer, it would be so nice to spend a day here. All of a sudden, I looked at the screen and said, Air New Zealand to Auckland, cancelled. And I went to the front desk and I said, what's going on? And they said, sorry, Mr. Ratnaraja, 
the flights canceled for the whole day because some birds flew into the plane. Thank God for those birds. And uh, flew into the, uh, into the plane and, and we have to cancel and you have to spend the entire day here. I was like, this is such an inconvenience. I'm a very busy person. I've got places to be, people to meet with. And then I said, what am I going to do for the whole day? Just be, so inside I was like, thank you, Jesus. I was like, what am I going to do for the whole day? They said, we're going to have to put you in a resort with everyone on that flight. And I was like, who's going to pay for the resort? I am broke ass. Uh, you know. And she was like, no, no, we pay for your food and your accommodation. I was like, when I think about the Lord, I thank you, Jesus. All the Americans, all the Americans were so upset. We've got cruises booked. We've got to be in Auckland. Auckland, they are going mad. How could this happen? I just wanted to say a very special announcement. I am responsible for this. I prayed and the Lord answered my prayer. I tell you, all the Americans were mad. I was sitting in the pool. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is fantastic. The favor of the Lord. Some of them weren't even eating. I was like, give me the food. I'll take it. I'll take it. Jehovah Jireh, my prayer. The, the, the day finished. I got, to the, I got to the front desk when I got to the airport. They said, sorry, Mr. Atmaraja, we've overbooked the flight, and we're going to have to upgrade you. I never knew aeroplanes had two stories. They said, we'll have to move you up. So inconvenient, inconvenient. I am so sorry. I was like, Jesus, thank you. The Bible says, if you honor me, I will honor you. Some of you, you need to make a decision tonight when it comes to purity. Am I going to live according to the truth, or am I going to follow the trend? There are people here today, I'll tell you, people around you may say, hey, it's 2023. Why, stop being old-fashioned. It feels good. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's buying it. Everyone's saying it. Just do it. Can I tell you, don't follow the crowd. Follow the cloud. Why? The call of God on your life is far too great for a moment of fleeting, temporary pleasure. Number two, manage your mind. Manage your mind. Philippians 4.8, it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The battle is won or lost in your mind. Do you realize that our minds is a battlefield? And that's why the Bible says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Listen to this carefully. No transformation will take place in your life until you change your thought life. The Bible is very clear, and I want to touch on this for a moment. 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure heart. It says, run from temptation. Flee from temptation. Another translation says, turn your back on temptation. If you want to get away from anything that is pulling you in the opposite direction to the call of God on your life, the destiny that God has placed on your life, turn your back. Run from temptation, it says. Listen to this carefully. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when we act on it. 
It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin when you act on it. And te- Satan has been using temptation to try and separate us from God. Right from the start, it happened in, uh, in the Garden of Eden. It's not a sin to be tempted, but how we respond to temptation defines our character and ultimately shapes our destiny. Very quickly, I want to touch on this. There are three ways temptation comes into our lives. Write this down. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John 2.16, for everything in the world The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Let me break this down for you. Lust of the flesh. Paul talks about this in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. I really encourage you to read that. Lust of the flesh is referring to intense desire or craving for physical pleasure or for for instant gratification. God created everything for good, but when something is used in a dishonorable way, it becomes destructive, lust of the flesh, instant gratification. Then it says, lust of the eyes. This is referring to coveting, the need to possess what we see. Lust of the eyes. I've got to have that. Eve saw the forbidden fruit, and it looked appealing. And she was like, I've got to have it. David saw a woman bathing, and he was like, I want her. And he took one of his soldiers' wife and got her pregnant. Let me tell you, lust of the eyes. Satan uses eye as an avenue for temptation. And that's why the Bible says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. Lust of the eyes. I need to have it. Honest confession, my biggest struggle is apple products. I can't go to an Apple store. When I travel, I I try and stay away from Apple products, but somehow there will be an Apple store, and I'll get sucked in. And then I come back, and Shane's like, Boyd, you brought another Apple product. Why in the world did you do that? I was like, you know, if you have Apple products, it makes you apostolic. You know, you just, you know, it's just, I just, I don't know, ministry enhancement. I don't know. I just, I just need to, I just need to buy. So someone said to me, what about if you got, if you're, if you're an Android? Well, you need help. You need deliverance. But anyway, <laughs> then it says the prides of life. This is a temptation for greatness, power, glory, knowledge, and wanting it at all costs. Prides of life, listen carefully, is arrogance based on accomplishments, positions, or status. What is the middle letter of the word pride? I. What is the middle letter of the word sin? I. Anytime you don't control that I, it can get us into trouble. It can get us into trouble. Insecurity is fueled by emptiness. And what we do is, out of that emptiness, we start to act in ways. Have you noticed empty trucks make the biggest noise on a motorway? Today, can I encourage you, let's make this prayer. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm going to go to my third point, and if I could ask the team to join me. Number three, live with integrity. Live with integrity. What's integrity? Integrity is when your private life matches your public life. Integrity is when what you say matches with what you do. Integrity is who you are when no one is watching. Integrity is when, when all the lights are turned off, you all go home. It's just you 
and God. Listen to this carefully. Integrity is different to your reputation. Your reputation is who others say you are. Your integrity is who you really are. See, often we pay way too much attention to what other people say about us. Reality is if you take care of your integrity, it will take care of your reputation. Have you ever looked at a house on a trade me listing? Shares and I'll be falling for this every time. When you were buying a house, you look at a house on a trade me listing and you go, this is the house. Look at the bedrooms. They're so spacious. Shares is like, this is, this is the house. And we go, and then you look, flipping. They, they lie to us. They used filters. The bedrooms are not that big. Shan's making eye contact with me. Not, this is not our house, but we just keeping the agent happy. <laughs> wow, wow, on the inside. You know, no way. I was thinking about this. Have you noticed sometimes you look at people from a distance and you admire them? Then you get up close. Anything to yourself. They were not who I thought they were. Let's live our lives in a way that when others get up close, the way we live our lives, they'll be like, man, that exceeded all my expectations. Let's live our lives in a way that makes others thirst for God. We don't even have to tell people in our workplaces, I'm a Christian. Let's live our lives in a way that people go, there's something different about that person. Integrity. I was praying for you as a church, and I really believe there are people here in this place, and I'm not going to take too much of this time, of my time, on honor the time I've been given, but I was praying for you as a church, and I really believe in this service. There are people here in this room that you are destined for great things. The call, call of God is on your life. I really believe as I was driving here and I was praying for you this morning, I felt there are people in this room that you are called to shake this nation and the nations of this world, but the reality is that anointing comes with a price tag. And tonight I want you to ask yourself, what is it that's going to take the enemy to take you out? I'm close with the story. A great, great friend of mine a father who, who I look up to and speaks into my life, and, and he had everything going for him, but because of moral failure, he lost it all 30, 40 years ago, and one day I was sitting down with him, and I said to him, hey, why did you do it? What happened? And he, and he shared with me, and he said, one day, Boyd, when I was in the height of my ministry, I was going for a walk at a beach, and God asked me this question. He said, am I enough for you? And I went to answer it, but in all honesty, he said, I couldn't answer the question because I, I loved this, I loved the ministry, and I loved the success, and I loved what people were saying about me, and, 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 and God was blessing the church, and everything was going so well. I couldn't really answer that question, and then, and then he said he got, got into trouble, cheated on his wife, and ended up having multiple affairs, and all of a sudden, you, you can go as high as you want, but then you come crumbling down. And I lost everything. And then he said to me, I was walking down the beach, same beach, 30, 40 years later, God spoke to me and asked me the question, am I enough for you? That was the first time he said, I, can, I was able to tell him, God, I've lost it all. I've lost my marriage. I've lost my ministry. I've lost everything. But today, I can boldly tell you, you are more than enough. 
And this is what I want to say to everybody in this room, all of us, including myself. Let's not build platforms. Let's build pillars. Why? Because when the platform is taken away from you, you need pillars to hold on to. When life shakes the platform, if God takes it away, you need pillars to hold on to. What pillars am I talking about? Purity, integrity, character, holiness, righteousness. And I really believe that our people here in this room, God's calling a generation who will stand up and make a declaration. Tonight, I choose to live a life of purity, holiness, righteousness for the glory of His name, that you clearly and boldly declare clean hands and a pure heart. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Boyd, I've stuffed it up, I've compromised. This is why I love the gospel and this is why I preach the gospel. God is a God of second chance. Maybe you've blown it. Can I tell you, you can't change your past, but you can change your future. You build a pillar tonight, and he said, my past is over. Tonight, I'm making this a holy ground, and I'm saying, God, I choose to live a life of purity. Open the eyes of my heart. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet, and, and then I'm going to ask the team to, to, to lead us in a song, and I really believe there are people here in this room, you are destined for great things. Let me tell you, the enemy is after your character. Potiphar's wife grabbed Joseph and said, sleep with me, and he refused, and he, and he ran away, and he left the coat behind. Listen to this carefully. He lost his coat, but he kept his character. Some of you, you, are, have, you, have, to willing, you have to be willing to let go of the coat. Hold on to your character. There's a price tag. If you want that anointing, there's a price tag on that anointing, on the call of God on your life. Dan and the team are going to lead us in that song. And, and I want you to forget about everyone else for a moment. I really believe this is going to become a defining moment for you. Would you just get lost in worship for a moment? And I say, God, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I pursue holiness. Help me to live a righteous life. Lord, I need you. I need you. Come on, everybody in this room, front to the back, left to the right. Would you mind lifting your hand to the, to, to the heavens? This is a holy moment. This is a defining moment. If you're a young person here in this room, this is not about an age. Will you say, God, I pursue holiness. Help me to follow the cloud, not the crowd. Help me to live according to the truth and not the trends. In the name of Jesus, front to the back, left to the right. Holy Spirit, we need an encounter in this place right now. Will you pour out your spirit of every person in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him for a moment. You reach out to him. You reach out to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.